Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University's Marketing Communications Online Graduate Programs. So join us as we explore unique Marcom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audience uh, with a new host who will hopefully do all three of those for us here today. Welcome to the show for the first time. Amy, Amy Teller, coming from my old stomping grounds here at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. Thank you so much, Paul. I'm really excited to be here. How did you come to Williamsburg, Virginia? You started off, you lived in uh, Ann Arbor before this, I think, or at some point, because I also went to the University of Michigan, so we share both of those here. We do. So actually, it was the reverse. I was an undergrad at the College of William and Mary. Went up to New York City and met my future husband, ah. who was from Michigan, and ah. he brought me. Ah. <laughs> kicking and screaming to Michigan. Yeah, kicking and screaming. And you said, hey, there's a prettier place here. I mean, Michigan's a pretty campus, but William & Mary is just a gorgeous campus here. We'll, we'll say hi to the good folks at WCWM, the College of William & Mary's College Radio Station. If it's still around, that's where I, one of the places I got my start in broadcasting way back when, 100 million years ago. So today you're going to talk about talk about pivoting. I've pivoted in my life. I've come back to where I started. I started off in radio in the 70s and 80s at, uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, WMYK, K94, and then uh, got into a whole bunch of things, came to California, and here I am back doing radio again. So somehow what's old is new again here. Is that what's happening in the pandemic? What's old is new again, or are we inventing a whole new world? I think we're all pivoting, but my guest today, Katie Gilstrap, is going to tell us all about that. She's going to be speaking about pandemic pivots, and we're going to be really talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the marketing industry and how the industry has pivoted to continue to create value in the midst of uncertainty and change. A topic that's highly germane, not only to marketing, but really across industries and to really everyone involved. Again, my guest today is Katie Gilstrap. I'm really excited to have her on today. Hello, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So in full disclosure, Katie and I are colleagues at the College of Women Mary's online MBA program, where we both teach marketing. So we have a little bit of history together. In addition <laughs> to working at William & Mary, Katie is also a faculty member at Virginia Commonwealth University and serves as an adjunct instructor at the University of Richmond at the undergraduate, graduate, and executive levels. She has also led study abroad programs focused on international business in Greece, Spain, the Czech Republic, and Scotland. And she serves as a facilitator for the Henry Ford Leadership Academy in the Middle East, Africa, and Asia and is a faculty mentor for the European Innovation Academy. So incredible. Again, welcome, Katie. <laughs> Thank you. It's really a thrill to be here, and it's great to talk to you, my fellow William & Mary colleague and your audience. Before we jump into today's topic, I know you do quite a bit of traveling for work, clearly. How did COVID-19 affect that for you on a personal level? Well, I'm so happy you're still using the present tense um, because I hope that it will reemerge once the travel bans are lifted. Personally, it's been certainly an example of a pivot. We have been working online. We have been continuing to develop content and to reimagine what some of our programming is going to be in a post-pandemic world. But we haven't been able to physically 
travel to the places where we were traveling. And it was really an interesting moment, not just in the pandemic, but then, of course, here in the U.S., we've had a big social movement happening, which has really reignited my fire around working with people from different places and different perspectives and different everything, who've had just completely different journeys, like the women that we work with in Saudi Arabia. And so it's been a reignition, not that I needed one, but it's made me even more eager to get back to that work and to introduce students from different cultures and different countries to one another and to help them learn each other's stories and from one another. So it's felt like a bit of a loss because I miss that face-to-face interaction, but it's helped us think about how we can build new programming that really addresses some of these post-pandemic issues that we'll talk about today. That's fantastic. Yeah, we have such a great show today on a really interesting and relevant topic. Let's go ahead and dive right in. As we were just saying, suffice to say, the coronavirus has had an impact on virtually every industry. How has the marketing world in particular been impacted by the pandemic? Well, there's there's really two areas that I'll touch on here. The research is showing that in terms of brand, there are three areas where marketers that are kind of engaging in these three arenas are not only surviving, but thriving and building new communities. And what those three areas are, they include trust, transparency, and empathy. And so brands who are really taking a moment to really appreciate the perspective of their customer, not just saying this is a generic persona that represents a segment, but let me understand what you're going through. Because let's face it, this pandemic is expressing itself differently for members of the same customer segment. You might be homeschooling. You might have a spouse that's now kind of on top of you all the time. You might have none of those things. And so really taking a moment to empathize with where that customer is has become more important. Transparency has become really important. I was working with a luxury hotel here in Richmond, Virginia, and talking about how the cleaning of the hotel was something that always happened in the background before. It's it's kind of like Disney World. You always wonder how the trash is always empty, but it is. You never see that work. But now brands are being more deliberate about being transparent in uh, what they're doing to keep their customers safe and healthy. So transparency is becoming important. And then trust and making sure that you can trust the organization that you're working with, that they are going to do what, what they say they're going to do. So brands that are kind of leaning into those three areas are really kind of taking shape in this pandemic era, and we believe will continue to thrive. Those elements will continue to be important in a post-pandemic world. The other area that I'll just mention is that for marketing researchers, this has become really a treasure trove of time because people have more time and more capacity to participate in surveys or to participate in uh, interviews. And so researchers have been able to learn a lot about their audiences right now, um, not just for future work, but also like how are their shopping behaviors changing? How have their priorities changed? So research has had this really wonderful opportunity to learn and then brand uh, and marketers have really had a chance to kind of lean into those dimensions of trust, transparency, and empathy. I love that. I just read something recently where 39% of social media users said they were spending more time on social media (laughs) since the pandemic. So 
you know, that's a great even point. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that times of uncertainty and change often can give rise to more innovative ideas. What innovations have we seen in terms of marketing? I think that we've seen innovations in terms of a, a true reflection of what value am I creating and how can I deliver on that value. So what I mean by that, an example that I'll use that I just, uh, it's a local example, but I'm, I've just been so impressed with them. There's an organization here in Richmond that's dedicated to the education about and kind of um, activation of Edgar Allan Poe's memory and legacy. And as you can imagine, it was a house museum, so it was Edgar Allan Poe's place where he stayed when he was in Richmond. And so the idea pre-pandemic was people would come and visit and learn and maybe have lunch in the garden. And it was educational programming. And the organization had to say, how are we going to do this if we can't have people into the building anymore? And there's lots of museums dealing with this. The Met, performing arts organizations, retail spaces. And what I love about what the Poe organization did is they said, we were never in the business of bringing people to this building. We were in the business of preserving his memory and activating education around this content and bringing Edgar Allan Poe into people's lives. And so they really just reimagined how they could do that. And so they created a playlist and they created virtual tours and they created Edgar Allan Poe haircut contests and found ways to re-engage membership and they found that it worked. They had more members, they had more engagement on social media. And it really just went back to really thinking about what is the business that we're in and finding ways to deliver on that in a different way. The Richmond Ballet is another organization that I think has done a really interesting job. They looked at the NBA as an example of how they could continue to perform. Could they put their dancers in a bubble and have them practice and perform and then find a way to have them perform behind plexiglass, but looking to other industries that the Russian Ballet probably never would have thought of the NBA before as a model, but there are all these innovations that we can share. So kind of reflecting on what is the real mission of our business? What is the value we're creating? And oftentimes it's not about bringing someone to a physical space. It's about what you do in that space. And so how can you think critically about delivering that value differently? Fantastic. So I think we have a couple more minutes before we need to take a break. One more question. Many businesses over the past few years have really come to understand the importance of CX. How are customer experiences being reimagined since the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, I think this is such an important question, and it comes down to, to the intersection of two ideas, because I think in a very important way, we are now are being faced with what will the law allow us to do and what are our customers comfortable doing? And so customer experiences are having to be reimagined at the intersection of those two points. And so sometimes, for example, in the fitness industry, we're seeing where there was this boom in the studio fitness industry where everything was hands-on correction and um, kind of everyone packed in one space, this kind of buzzy event you go to a cycle studio or a bar studio or a yoga studio, they had to completely reimagine what that experience would be like where it's still, I'm going to use the word high touch, but virtually high touch. So avatars are being 
created where they're going to have these conversations with you that are built on all this content that's being developed in the background with the most predictable questions, et cetera. Because even when the governor of your state says, yes, you can go back to the gym or yes, you can go back to the bank or wherever, customers might not be ready to do that. And so customer experiences are really now more about where do you find that intersection of what are you able to do and where are your customers comfortable engaging with you. So I think we're going to see a lot of this kind of virtual reality where we're going to take steps back to face-to-face contact. But in some places, we may just emerge more quickly to virtual content. I love that. So many great points. It's time for a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about value propositions. Over to you, Paul. Okay, and the value of Integrate Conference hasn't gone away. WVU's Integrate Conference, it's moved online like so many. This year, you can still see marketing communications experts from a variety of industries who are exploring how and what to say during these crazy, unprecedented pandemic times that we are living through. You can view the schedule and tune in to the live sessions as they happen. Just go to integrate.wvu.edu. That's integrate.wvu for West Virginia University.edu. Okay, and one more thing we just want to remind everybody that you've been listening today to uh, WVU Marketing Communications today. It's part of the new Digital Marketing Communications Master's Degree Program. It's fully online and can be completed in one year. With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, program gives you both the strategy and skills you need to reach audiences today on existing and emerging media like this. Learn more. Just go check them out at marketingcommunications.wvu.edu. That's marketingcommunications, plural, dot wvu.edu. And with that, we toss it back to Amy. And can I ask one quick question before you guys jump in here? I had no idea that Edgar Allan Poe ever lived in Richmond. I thought he was from Baltimore. I actually went on a trip. I'm a history buff, so I actually went and visited his grave, I think, in a church in Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. When did he live in uh, Richmond? I didn't even know he ever lived in Richmond. Oh, my goodness. I don't have... Shame on me. I need to go brush up at the... <laughs> and you read Gallon um, Paul stuff here, yeah. from Richmond. Um, he is, he's certainly a part of the local culture here. And that legacy of having Poe, having lived here, is definitely a part of kind of the arts culture that is alive and well in Richmond. Well, the only other question I have, how can you be at both William & Mary and Richmond? When I was at William & Mary 100 million years ago, the Richmond spiders were our arch enemies here. <laughs> Well, I'm an alum of both programs. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Um, so I made friends <laughs> all right. along the way. Back to you guys. Do you think this will ever go back to normal, or are we in the new normal? Are the lessons we've learned in the pandemic pivot, is the dance going to continue, or is it a dance we can't wait to drop and go back to the old ways? I personally think we're going to find a mix of that. I think there are elements that are not going to change. So I use Target as an example in my classes because I think they're a brilliant illustration of omni-channeling and they worked hard for a long time but they're a company that reinvested in brick and mortar and everyone thought they were crazy to do that at the same time developed a drive-up strategy and an integrated e-commerce strategy and so i never thought i would use a drive-up pickup at target i just always thought i'd pop in now i'll never go back takeout from retailers, curbside pickup. There's all these things now that I think as time becomes more precious in our lives, I don't think that's ever going away. 
we have conveniences now that have been born of this pandemic that I think some of those will stay. But I also think as humans, consumer behavior, we want to be together. So I think there will be some things where we will go back to engaging. But I think about from a kind of consumer behavior perspective, workplaces that were designed. If you think of the millennial generation, all these collaborative workspaces were architected and built and you had bullpens and pods and these places where you were sharing all this workspace. And now I think we're going to have a completely different way of working. I don't think that will go away. So I think it'll be a mix. We'll always long to be together, but I think we have found that as time becomes more precious, they will persevere. Absolutely. I rely on Kroger's click list. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I hope that never goes away. <laughs> I know. I'm and, like, uh, curbside drop off for my vet and grooming. I'm like, I love this. <laughs> and it can become a source of competitive advantage because I think convenience has been a part of that. I know we're going to talk about value proposition for a long time. And a lot of these innovations have kind of manifested themselves in more convenient options because there's less waiting in line. There's less getting out of my car and kind of the daily commute of life, not just commuting to work, but to your point about going into Kroger or going in somewhere now that we can't do that, we might have sort of reclaimed that space in our life. And so marketers who can offer that added convenience, I think would be smart to hang on to that. Well, absolutely. I mean, that alludes to the idea of value, right? And creating yeah. value in the mind of the consumer is really you know, a critical element of an organization's marketing message. So to build off of that, how do you think safety will be incorporated into organizations' value propositions? I think it is going to have to go back to that element of trust, empathy, and transparency. I think it's going to have to be a part of just about every value proposition. And I, I use the Jefferson Hotel as an example. In the past, certainly you expected to go to a hotel and have a safe experience, but it was not anything that was going to be marketed. But now it's going to have to be. How are we thinking innovatively and creatively to make an experience for you that not only delivers on everything that we have before, but in a way that now addresses this new concern that you have? And I think by kind of leaning into those elements of trust, empathy, and transparency, safety really touches all three of those spaces. And so seeing how cleanliness and spacing and all of that is being addressed very deliberately uh, trusting that it's not just a show and knowing that the organization is doing that because they really do care about you, that's going to be a very important part of all brands. And I think right now we're talking for a university and I'm thinking about what's happening right now in higher education. We have universities opening up. We have some that are going back and closing. Safety is the biggest part of this message. And that's what everyone's kind of, it's, it's what's on that seesaw of, oh my gosh, how can we do all of this in a safe environment? And that's what's causing all the tension. So I think safety will be, even if it's, um, even if it's always been part of the message, it's going to be a more amplified part of the message. I have an example of that. I don't want to ramble on, but as someone who used to travel, (laughs) I hope I'll be traveling like that again, (laughs) who before this moment was traveling at least monthly on some sort of transatlantic trip, I became a, a frequent flyer with American Airlines. And so that's my my airline. And so I would always look to travel with them. So we did a trip recently and we were nervous. We were listening to all the safety precautions. We were goggled up and in 95 masked up and all of that gloves. But I was struck by thinking about this. 
trust, transparency, and empathy. What I got on the plane with American, they basically said everyone's going to wear their face masks. And other than that and suspending the beverage service, everything was basically the same. The flight was full. It was pretty much the same. In contrast, we were in the area where the airlines were were boarding, and Delta was talking about everything that they did, and that middle aisle was open, and they were talking about this openly, everything they did to make sure that their customers felt safe, they understood why they were concerned, and they were very clear about what they were doing. And so I came home, and I opened a Delta credit card, and I thought, I'm changing because those guys get it. (laughs) And safety has always been part of an airline message, let's be real, like that's if you're not safe, that's kind of like a huge it's thing. kind of important. But now, yeah, exactly. But now safety on airlines has another layer to it. And that's just, I think, it's, it was such a clear example to me of someone who's been very loyal to American but is changing as soon as I get on another flight because they were very clear about the fact that they cared. They were transparent about it, and I'm built, they built trust with me. I just thought that was a real-time example. I love it. So I... Paul, do we have time for one more question? One more quick question here, and I will point out that I did look up in the interim here that Edgar Allan Poe was born in Boston, but he was uh, orphaned and then taken in by a couple in Richmond, Virginia, and went to UVA. So for those still wondering my original question here, uh, that's the uh, Poe connection <laughs> here. <shared> that. <laughs> Mystery solved. Mystery Thank solved you, from the mystery writer here. Yes. Yeah, so one more quick question. Okay, Katie, in your opinion, what role do you think digital experiences play in the future? Oh my gosh, I think they're going to become more and more important because they have forced people who were more apprehensive about engaging online. There really hasn't been a choice. And so people have become more comfortable more quickly and digital agencies are being more purposeful about kind of bringing their clients along in terms of creating digital experiences for their customer base. I was just chatting with the owner of a digital agency and he was talking about, for example, credit unions who had not really embraced digital experiences in a big way. Their whole value proposition was come into the branch. I know you. I know your kids. I know your dog. (laughs) But they haven't had a choice. And so because of the situation that we're all in, we've all had to become more comfortable scheduling, interacting, engaging online. So that's one of those things that's here to stay because we all climbed that learning curve together. Regardless of where we were on it, we moved forward. And um, because of that, I don't imagine we're going to go back. Businesses are going to see the efficiencies. Customers are going to see the time savings. So they're here to stay. And I think they're only going to get better. That's great. I mean, I I would love to talk to you all day, but I think that's all we have time for. Katie, it has truly been a pleasure to have you on our show today. One last question. How can our listeners contact you or find you online? Sure. Uh, Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn. And I'm also happy to share my email address. I always love meeting new folks. And my email address is K-E-S as in Sam Gilstrap at vcu.edu. And she can often be found at the Poe Museum, uh, hanging out, uh, <laughs> lurking in the hallways, uh, listening for the, if the ravens go, whatever. Wasn't it the raven? Evermore. That was, yeah, sorry. Evermore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good stuff here. Thanks for uh, all your advice and everything. How do they reach you, Amy, if they want to find out more about what you're doing at uh, William & Mary? Absolutely. I think the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn at Amy Allison Teller. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to wrap things up. Until next week, thanks, guys. Thank you. you.
You've been listening to another great example of WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a live weekly program that explores unique Marcom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audience.